Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Every day a woman saw a little, a little old man sitting on his front porch, rocking in his rocking chair, and he always seemed to be so happy. So one day she finally got up the nerve and she went over to him and said, Sir, I can't help but notice you're always smiling, you're always in a good mood. Please tell me, what is your secret for such a long and happy life? He laughed and he said, that's easy. I smoke three packs of cigarettes a day. I eat nothing but junk food and I never exercise. And she was shocked and said, wow, that's amazing. How old are you? He looked at her and said, 26. It's not for you, it's for me. We're on part four of a series called The Blessed Life. Say The Blessed Life. The Blessed Life. Jesus, how Jesus defines a long and happy life is different than that guy. We're talking about how Jesus defines happiness and we're looking at the Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the most important sermon ever preached and the Beatitudes are the first part of that. Each of them begins with the word blessed which is what, what Beatitudes means. It means blessed or happy. Blessed means happy. In the Greek, the word is makarios. And it's not a, an external kind of, a, it's not a happiness that comes from your external circumstances or what is happening around you in your life. Makarios is an internal joy, an internal happiness that the world can't give you and that circumstances can't change. And so Jesus tells us this is how you live a blessed and happy life. And if, if you were making a list of that, your list would look totally different than Jesus's list. But it's why we're studying so we can embrace that in our lives. In fact, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter five and go ahead and actually stand to your feet if you would. Matthew chapter five, let's stand to our feet. I like to do that when we read the word of God. Let's take a moment and, uh, and pray together. Is, is Julie still over here? Is Julie Warnicky here? Did she sneak out? No, I was gonna, I'm going to pray for her anyways because I saw her. I didn't get a chance to say hi to her. That was Amy's mom who just, uh, just was here a minute ago. Let's, let's pray. Father, I just thank you. Thank you for Julie. I was just thinking about her. God, touch her and heal her. Do great healing work in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus. Pray that cancer is defeated. Lord, any of those that are battling illness right now, God, do something special in this service. Let the love and goodness and the power of Jesus be manifest in our midst even in the next few minutes. And Lord, speak to us through the truth of your word today. We have ears to hear, we have hearts to receive. Let your words penetrate our hearts and take root and bear fruit in our lives. If you agree, say amen. amen. You guys, I, I, you gotta help me this morning. We're gonna get, get involved in the word and it's gonna be good. Matthew chapter five, verse one. And seeing the multitudes, he, referring to Jesus, went up on a mountain and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And then he opened his mouth and taught them saying, in fact, every time we read, read the word blessed, we get to the word blessed, I want you to say it with me out loud, okay? Ready, go. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. You guys, you're not doing very good right now. You're getting like an F, okay? We'll try it again. Am I going too fast? Is it the media team's fault? Are you guys blaming our media team? Is that what you're doing right now? You're not doing that? Laura, you know you're part of it. They just turned my microphone off. I'm not doing it. These guys are. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to sanctify them. Okay, we're going back to verse three now. 
start this over. I'm going to read it off the screen with you too. All right, ready, ready, go. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Why not? Let's just read the whole thing. You guys are not even following instructions anymore. Whatever. Just read it up. I'm just kidding. Okay, okay, ready, go. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. As you're seated, look at the person next to you and say, you look hungry to me. Yeah, you guys are. This is 1130 service. This message is going to, this is going to hit home today. Being physically hungry and thirsty are, are two of the strongest natural impulses that we have. In fact, I don't know if you noticed, did you notice my shirt this morning? Did you notice? By the way, this is my shirt. I own this shirt, okay? I'm not borrowing it from Pastor Junior. <laughs> this is mine. And, and these are my socks, too, that says, live every day like it's Taco Tuesday. <laughs> I have several taco socks. This is just one pair of them. My goal for this message is that there would be a spiritual hunger that would grow inside of you. I wish I could just give you spiritual hunger, but I can't. I can't. It, it comes from your heart, but I pray that the Lord will do something in your life and speak to you. Jesus uses the metaphor of hunger and thirst to talk about hungering and thirsting after righteousness, which we'll come back to in a minute. But he says, for they shall be filled. They shall be filled. In fact, that word in the original language means to fulfill or to satisfy the desire of. Several other English translations will say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be completely satisfied. The word picture is like after you've had an amazingly delicious meal and you feel completely satisfied. <laughs> Hopefully your lunch will be like that today. I always think of Thanksgiving when I think about that. One of my favorite holidays. It's at Thanksgiving where you've eaten everything that you can eat. You've, you're just finishing taking your last bite of your second piece of pumpkin pie with whipped cream. And you cannot eat anything more. You're completely satisfied. That's what Jesus is talking about. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to be full. He wants you to be completely satisfied in your life. But sometimes we don't live like this. And this is what Jesus addresses in this beatitude. Sometimes we hunger and we thirst and we pursue things that haven't satisfied us. Our lives are full of stuff, but we're empty spiritually. We're not spiritually filled. <laughs> you ever have the experience late at night, maybe you're like before you go to bed or you wake up and you're just, you're hungry, so you go to the fridge. Come on, Austin, you open up the door. Maybe not you, you're a bachelor, but you know, the fridge is full, the fridge is full of food and you're just looking at it and you're hungry, but you don't know what you're hungry for and nothing really looks good, but you're not really sure what to do. It reminds me of the old U2 song. Some of you will remember it. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. <laughs> There's a book in the Bible that's all about that. It's called the book of Ecclesiastes written by Solomon. Solomon at the time was the wealthiest man alive, the wealthiest man on the face of the planet. I don't know who is right now, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, whoever, but Solomon was in his day. The Bible says he was the wisest man 
who ever lived, and he wrote Ecclesiastes, which is inspired by the Holy Spirit, either maybe in a midlife kind of crisis, or most scholars think towards the end of his life. And Solomon had everything that you could imagine. He had all the the knowledge and the education. He pursued all the degrees, bachelor's, master's, doctorates. He had all of that. He pursued a career. He he was king, so he had a good job. He had a nice car. He set high goals, took great vacations, became a workaholic. He had all of that, and he says it's all meaningless. It's all vanity. He went after money and wealth and fortune. He made investments. He owned all the property. He owned everything that you can think of, bought expensive art. He said it's all meaningless. He gained popularity and fame and influence. He was surrounded by people. Servants waited on him, literally hand and foot, 24-7. Had all the followers on social media that you could ever want. And he says, I'm still lonely. Even though I'm surrounded by people, I'm still lonely. This is depressing. It's all meaningless. He pursued pleasure and wine and women. There's a lot of young people here. I'm going to preach straight to the young people's heart today. Pursued all the the wine, the women, the pleasure, partying, alcohol, drugs, everything that comes along with it. And he he said this, anything that I wanted, Ecclesiastes 2.10, Solomon writes, anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. By the way, just a little side note here. Solomon, I'm not, read the Bible, I'm not making this up. Solomon had 700 wives. I got a lot of funny things I can say about that, but I I might get in trouble. 700 and 300 concubines. If you don't know what a concubine is, ask Pastor Josh afterwards. He'll explain it to you. A seminary professor was asked one time by one of his students. Seminary professor was asked by one of his students and said, said, excuse me, why did Solomon have 700 wives? And of course, the student is expecting a profound, deep theological you know, response. The professor looked at him and said, easy. It was in the hopes that in the morning, just one of them would wake up in a good mood. <laughs> the guys don't want to laugh at that because you want to survive another day. <laughs> I didn't say that. You guys know me. I wouldn't say something like that. It's, I'm telling you a story. I didn't say that. Solomon tried all the food in the fridge, but none of it satisfied him. He said, it's all vanity. It's all meaningless. It's all emptiness. Some of you here today are like Solomon. You've tried everything that you could think of. You've tried everything that the world has to offer, and you're still not satisfied. You still haven't found what you're looking for. St. Augustine, the great, brilliant theologian said this about God, says, God, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. You and I, we were created by God and for God. And until you know that and embrace it and live it out, your life is going to be meaningless and empty. You might be existing, but you're not really living. So what are you pursuing in your life? What are you hungering and thirsting for? What are you full of? Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? Does it say, church? Come on, what does it say? For righteousness, for they shall be filled. I wanna talk about righteousness for a moment so you understand it. It's a big topic in the Bible. Let me boil it down to two, two thoughts for you, two truths, two sides of the same coin. Number one, righteousness is a relationship. It is right standing with God. 
Righteousness is a relationship. It is right standing with God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he, which is a reference to God, he made him, which is a reference to Jesus. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That is one of maybe the most important truths that you could understand and embrace in your life, men and women. That Jesus Christ, who was perfect, the sinless Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the entire world, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who never sinned, who knew no sin, became sin for you and for me so that we could be made right with God. There's only two ways that you could be made right with God. Number one, live a perfect life. Guess what? All of you failed in that, including me. F, all of us failed in that already. The second way is that you can receive and accept on your behalf the, the only one who is perfect, and his name is Jesus. Those are the only two ways. There is no other way to get right with God. Let me say it like this. Imagine... Imagine that you live a life of crime. And as I look around at some of you scoundrels, that's, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's not too difficult to imagine. Imagine that you lived a life of crime. Finally, you get caught. Finally, you get arrested, thrown into jail, go before the judge, stand on trial. And because of the severity of the atrocities of all the things, and it is a long rap sheet, all the things that you've done. The judge pronounces your sentence. You are sentenced to death. Hand, drops the gavel down. And you're standing there in shock. And then, as soon as that's done, he takes his robe off. Steps down from his bench. Walks down the steps and walks directly in front of you and stands you and looks you dead in the eye. And he says, I love you. I love you. And because I love you, I'm gonna show you grace and mercy and forgiveness. And your sentence, your death sentence, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna die on your behalf. I'm gonna die in your place. You're free to go. Men and women, that's the gospel. That, that's the good news. And if, if you're not excited and thankful about that, then maybe you don't know Jesus yet because all of your sin, all of your mistakes, all of your failures, all of your wickedness, everything you've thought, everything you've said, everything that you've done, all of your unrighteousness, you have exchanged for the righteousness of God in Jesus. Now, when he looks at you, when he looks at you, he sees you through the blood of his son, and he sees you right now. He sees you as righteous and holy. There is nothing you could ever do to earn it or deserve it. He just gave it to you. It's called grace. It's a free gift. On the cross, Jesus said, it is finished paid in full. You can't do anything to become righteous. It's already been done. If you have kids, you've probably heard this before. They'll yell at you and say something like, Dad, I'm starving. <laughs> There's nothing to eat in this house. 
All that means, parents, you know, all that means is this. They haven't eaten in an hour. And when they go to the cupboard, to the pantry, there's not cinnamon toast crunch in there because that's the only thing they want to eat all the time, right? Just as food and, and drink are a necessity in our lives, if you go without them long enough, you will die. Righteousness is a necessity. If without it, you will die. You and I will die. We'll die in our sins and we'll spend eternity separated for, from God forever in hell. Righteousness is a relationship. God calls us into relationship. Romans 3 says he calls us into, into a friendship with him. Number two, righteousness is a lifestyle. Living right as God intends. Righteousness is a lifestyle. Living right as God intends. Righteousness is both a position you have been made right with God, and it is also a practice that you live right for God. Listen, because we have been made righteous with God, we have been made the righteousness of God, now we live righteous lives. Do you hear me? We don't, we don't do that to earn God's love. We already have God's love, but because we know God, now we live for God in a righteous way. Because he's righteous, now we're righteous. Because he's holy, now we're holy. First John says it like this, since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are God's children. Maybe the reason that you're not satisfied in your life, maybe the reason that you feel empty inside, maybe the reason you still haven't found what you're looking for is because you're not living the right way. You're living life your own way. You're not living life God's way. And as our culture continues to shift and move away from the authority of the word of God, we ain't going nowhere. <laughs> it reminds me of all the hip-hop song. We ain't going, never mind, I won't sing we can't be, never mind. We're not going anywhere. I don't, care, I don't care what culture says. I don't care what culture embraces. I don't care what culture legalizes and they say is okay or what's popular. We are not strained from the authority of the word of God. We're gonna live righteous. We're gonna live holy. We're gonna live the way Jesus calls us to live because I've heard it said before a few times in this pulpit, God's ways are always better. You can live your own truth. Go ahead, live your own truth. Come back in a few years when you're emptier than you are now and let me know how that went for you. You can live your own truth, but you're living a lie because there's only one truth and his name is Jesus. John 14, six, I am the way. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man and, it, and its end is death and destruction. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the light. Proverbs 12, 28, in the way of righteousness, there is life. Along that path is immortality. Living, living God's way is the best way to live. Living God's way leads to heaven. So when there's something in your life or there's something in your lifestyle that doesn't line up with the word of God, then you have a choice. You can either go your own way, which leads to death, or you can hunger and thirst for righteousness, which leads to life. <laughs> we can amplify the words of Jesus in Matthew 6 like this. I think they'll put it up on the screen. Matthew 5, 6, if we're kind of amplifying the, the, the heart behind it. Blessed and happy are those who hunger and thirst to be in right standing with God and to live right as God intends. For they shall be filled with life and be completely satisfied. That's what Jesus is talking about. You know, if you get 
physically sick, you have a loss of appetite. You know, when you get, you have a fever, you feel crummy, your stomach feels upset, food is, is the last thing that you think about. It's an indication that something isn't right physically. The same is true spiritually. If you're not hungry to know God, you're spiritually sick. You're not healthy spiritually. And so I wanna, I wanna tell you how to maintain, for some of you, this you might not even have, this might be to, to have or build, to establish, but how to maintain a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, how to, how to maintain an appetite for God. I'll give you five ways. Matthew chapter five, verse six, in, in the message paraphrase, I love how it says, it says, you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. Number one, if you wanna maintain a hunger and thirst for righteousness, number one is this, stop filling up on junk food. Stop filling up, it's too quiet in here. I get right in your business, that's all right. Maybe it's conviction. Stop filling up on junk food. Stop filling up on junk food. This is a purely hypothetical story, by the way. No, there's no names or likeness of any, any person. It's totally hypothetical. But imagine you've worked a long, hard day, and you're exhausted, and you're hungry. Didn't you skip lunch, work through lunch, and you got a long commute home. So you think, you know what? I'm just gonna stop at 7-Eleven real quick, around the corner. I'm just gonna grab a couple things. So you go in there. By the way, I went to 7-Eleven, this is a true story. Went to 7-Eleven this morning, walked in there, cashier said, I like your shirt. I said, thanks. Then a minute later, he said, is your wife Mexican? I said, yes, she is. And he said, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> you get a big gulp. Listen, not just a large, you get a double extra large. This, this was a, a, a slurp. You get a double extra large raspberry slurpee. The illustration's not good for 11.30 because it's all melted. And then you walk in and you grab a Slim Jim. Snap into a Slim Jim like Randy Macho Man Savage tells you. And you grab a Reese's peanut butter, king size. How I many you know this is God's will for your life right here all the time, all the time? You don't even need to pray about it. Oh, oh, you grab some Flaming Hot Cheetos. <laughs> Only Jesus really knows what's in here. They taste good though, I'm, I'm, you got, what else do you got? You get, oh, you just, you, you grab a, you grab a Snickers because, because only Snickers really satisfies, right? I mean, that's what they say anyways. You grab a Snickers. Also, you just decide, you know, grab a Red Bull, but you get sugar free because you want to be healthy. It's sugar, so it's, <laughs> and you are, you're so hungry, you normally, you normally wouldn't even eat something like this. Yes, yes. You grab, you grab a hot dog. Another true story about this morning. When I was at 7-Eleven, I said, I'd like a hot dog, please. And the guy said, they're not cooked yet. I said, I don't care. And he paused for a minute and said, okay. And he sold me one in your hands. <laughs> this hot dog's probably from pre-COVID days, from 2018. Listen, by the way, just a little side note. If you ever are at 7-Eleven and you see your friend in there, friend, friends do not let eat, do not let friends eat hot dogs from 7-Eleven, right? They've hit rock bottom, men and women. They need an intervention. They need, they need, they need a miracle. 
You grab all those things, and on the way home, you're just enjoying yourself. Come on, you're eating them, you're, you're listening to the music loud, you know, you're, you're feasting. And when you get home, when you get home, and you walk in the door, you, it smells delicious. And you walk into the kitchen, and you realize your wife has cooked your favorite meal. She's made tacos. And she looks at you, and what does she ask? Are you hungry? And you still got flaming hot Cheetos on your face, and you got chocolate on your lips, and you, what, you just lie to her and say, yes, I am. But you know you're not hungry. In fact, you feel a little bit sick because of the stuff you just ate. And you just ate a bunch of things that aren't gonna satisfy you. Listen, if you're not hungry and thirsty for God, maybe it's because you've been eating some spiritual junk food. You're a spiritual being with a God-shaped hole in your heart. And if you fill it with salary or status or success or sex or power or prestige or position or whatever, anything other than God, it will not be fulfilling. It ain't gonna satisfy you. Maybe the reason you're not hungry for God is because you're too full of yourself or too full of something else. It's like, remember growing up and your mom used to say, hey, my mom used to say this too, don't eat yet. You go to the cupboard to grab, you know, cinnamon toast. Don't eat yet, it's almost dinner time. Don't eat that, it's almost dinner time. God does the same thing in our lives. Don't eat yet, don't eat that. It's almost dinner time. And just like a little kid who doesn't want to listen, wants to do their own thing, doesn't have any self-control, doesn't want to be patient, doesn't want to wait, doesn't want to trust God, we go and we fill up on sin that never, that tastes good at the time, but it never satisfies. And it leaves you feeling empty, a little bit ashamed and guilty, like walking into your house when your wife just made tacos and you just ate all this crap. It's 11.30, I can say that. Hebrews 11.25 says about Moses, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So if you think about your life, you think about things that haven't, that you've filled up on in your life, but they haven't filled you up, what would your Ecclesiastes list look like? Maybe it's making business deals and making a lot of money. Maybe it's hooking up at the bar on the weekends with random people. Maybe it's watching endless amounts of entertainment, sports or shows or websites or social media, and you know in your heart, this isn't enough because you're still empty. Just ask Solomon. <laughs> Listen to what God says, Isaiah 55. The Lord says, all you who are thirsty, come and drink. He's talking about come to me. He's, what's he, he's talking about relationship, men and women. He's talking about friendship. He's not talking about religion. He's not talking about rules and regulations. I want you to come directly to me. Those of you who do not have money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. In other words, it's on the house. I'm paying for it. You don't have to pay anything. That's called grace. Why spend your money on something that is not real food? <laughs> Flaming hot Cheetos. Why work for something that doesn't really satisfy you? Listen closely to me and you will eat what is good. Your soul will enjoy the rich food that satisfies. Can I offer an idea, a thought to you this, mo this morning? It's time for a different meal that only God can provide. Number two, make knowing God soul food. <laughs> soul food, I call it my number one goal. 
Make knowing God soul food my number one goal. I love soul food, by the way. I do. There's a picture. That was, I was with Pastor Junior, Dr. Harris, a couple of years ago. I ate everything on that plate. They didn't know a white boy could eat all that food. I did. I put it all down. I ate more than Pastor Junior that day. Psalm 42 says this, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so, my, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? I, I hope in your heart that there's a hunger for God. Say, I wanna know God more next Sunday than I do today. I wanna know God better and, and be closer to him a year from now than I am today. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, but seek first. He didn't say seek second or third or seek last. Seek first the kingdom of God and his what? Come on, and his what? And his righteousness and all these things. All these things will be added unto you. Don't make happiness your number one goal and pursuit in life, men and women. Happiness is a byproduct of knowing God. David, if, if you want to develop a hunger for, for God, read the Psalms. Read about David, a man after God's own heart. He wrote in Psalm 63, 1, he says, God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. He wrote that in the desert of Judah. I mean, literally, you could go to any desert here in Southern California. It's exactly the same. Hot, dry, no water. And what's interesting to me, he didn't say, God, I'm extremely thirsty right now. Please give me some water or I'm gonna die. He said, God, even beyond my physical thirst, even more than I need water, I need you. I can't live with, I, I don't wanna live without you. Honestly, that was, that's why David was so powerful. That's why he was a man after God's own heart. That's why, too, when David blew it big time, Adultery, murder, cover-up, lie. He wrote Psalm 51, said, God created him. I'm sorry, created me a clean heart, oh God. You know, he says, he says renew a right spirit in me. Don't, don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. You can take other things, but don't take that. I'd rather die than, than lose your presence. That was David's heart. Some of you are in a desert in your life right now. Your marriage is all dried up. Your finances are all dried up. Your health is all dried up. Your career's all dried up. Your relationships are all dried up. What do you do in a desert? How do you get out? I know one thing you do. You hunger and thirst for righteousness. You, you pursue and you seek first the kingdom of God. Number three, if you're gonna have an appetite for God, number three, feed yourself the word of God daily. Feed yourself the word of God daily. Listen, we do our best on the weekends to prepare a spiritual meal and serve it as best as we can. I don't know how good we do or bad. Don't tell me, you know, I don't, I don't know. But, but eating, eating once a week, men and women, that's not enough. If you only ate one meal on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon every week, you'd be malnourished. Some of us are only eating one spiritual meal a week and you wonder you wonder why you're spiritually weak. You wonder why you're not having victory. You wonder why you're getting beat up by the devil or by the circumstances of life. You wonder why you're empty and not satisfied and not happy. It's because you ain't feeding enough. You ain't, you ain't eating enough on God's word. I talked to a guy, one of my friends before the, the last service, and he's going through some stuff, and he said, I started, he said, I've read almost half the New Testament. He said, I've grown, grown up in church my whole life. I've been reading Romans. He said, God's doing something in my heart. Why? Because the word of God is living and active, and it's powerful. My daughter, Eliana, is six months old. She's so cute. She gets cuter every day. She looks like her mom. Listen, 
Obviously, I did a, a very successful job feeding her there, as you can see from the picture. I have to feed her. Jenny has to feed her. She's a baby. She can't feed herself. It's super cute. She gets it everywhere, you know, all that stuff. It's cute when you're six months. It ain't cute when you're 42 years old and you're not feeding yourself. And listen, my job as a pastor, it is to feed you, but I'm trying to lead you to Jesus. I don't want you just showing up week after week, putting some money in the offering and just saying, yeah, nice message, pastor. You know, I felt good today. I, don't, I am trying to lead you to Jesus, the one who satisfies your hunger and thirst. If you meet Jesus, you will never thirst again. You will never hunger again. doesn't matter what you, but if you would just get into the word of God for yourself, you think, I've tried reading the Bible, it's boring, I don't understand it. We will teach you how to read the Bible. That's our job, to disciple you, to equip you, to teach you. Take next steps with Pastor Judy, with Pastor Junior. Step three is called grow. We give you a grow journal. We teach you how to read God's word every day and hear his voice. You gotta feed yourself on the word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God, beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, and for training in righteousness. You think, Pastor, I don't like it when you correct us. That's what scripture is there for. It's there to set, you get off tr track, it's there to set you straight, me too. But for training, some of you need to put yourself in a training program for righteousness, and it starts with the word of God. <sighs> all right, enough of that. Number four is this, get around hungry people. If you're gonna have an appetite for God, get around hungry people. Have you noticed that when kids get together, your own kids, grandkids, neighborhood kids, when they get together, if just one of them says, I'm hungry, then all of them are hungry. <laughs> Come on, you give one kid an Otter Pop, you're giving the whole neighborhood Otter Pops, right? Why? Because appetite is influenced by association. Whoever you get around is whatever you're gonna be hungry for, men and women. That's why your friends are important. Because if you hang around with people, all they talk about, all they care about, all they think about is politics, then you're gonna be hungry for politics. <laughs> That's gonna leave you unsatisfied for show, all right? If, if you're hanging around people, all they think about, talk about, care about is shopping, then you'll be hungry for shopping. If it's sports, then you'll be hungry for sports. If your friends are Raiders fans, get new friends. What are you doing? Stop, we'll pray for you. Stop wasting your life. I got Raider fans in here right now. Listen, but if you get around some people that are hungry for Jesus, that hunger and thirst after righteousness, then guess what? You'll start to be a little hungry too. You might think, yeah, I'm not even in that guy. You get around somebody like Pastor Junior long enough, you will be. Think, that, that man has something that I don't have. Pastor Junior, I know, he's been through hell the last couple years in his family. Buried all kinds of people, been through health issues, but that man knows God. And I want what he, it's like that old movie, Harry Met I want what he's, I want what she's having. I want what he's having. Why? Because hunger's contagious. That's why you need to be in a small group, in a connect group. You know, I'm too busy. I'm too, no, you're not. <laughs> you make time for things that are important in your life. I don't care how long you've been walking the Lord. Get around some hungry people. Some of y'all need to take the internship this next year. You need to commit 10 months of your life to serving the Lord, seeking first the kingdom of God like never before. See what that does in your life. Some of you need to start serving. You need, you need to get around some media volunteers that are passionate, hungry for the things of God, parking team members, children's team. You need to, and your hunger for God will grow. Man, I'm, I'm trying. I feel like I'm, look, Proverbs 2.20 says, so follow the steps of the good and stay on the paths of the 
righteous. Number five is this. Last point, if you, want to get hung, if you want to be hungry for God, number five, experience God's love and goodness for yourself. Experience God's love and goodness for yourself. We've all had the experience where somebody offers you a, a food item, something you've never tried before, didn't sound interesting, looks kind of weird, or they take you to a, a new restaurant that you've never been to and kind of get over your fear or apprehension, and you try it, and you think, holy holy schmoly, how, how have I missed out on this my whole life? It's like, remember Jenny, I think, introduced me to sushi. I never had any interest start dating Jenny. Of course, when you're dating, you just, you know, you do all those kinds of things just because you're trying to impress the other person and start eating sushi. I'm like, I love sushi. This is amazing. Why? Because you've tasted and you've seen for yourself. It's not, it's not just Pastor John or Pastor Junior telling you anymore. You've tasted and seen in fact, this is what David writes, Psalm 34. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to do that this morning. I want so desperately for every single one of you to taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you, his holy people. That's us. By the way, fear doesn't mean that you're afraid of God. It means that you honor God, that you revere him. You have a healthy respect for him, that you love him and worship him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. The reason that some of you aren't hungry for God is because you've never experienced him before. You've never tasted and seen his love and his goodness for yourself. You've heard a lot of messages you, you, have, you have some knowledge up here, but it hasn't went down into your heart yet. Hasn't got into your soul yet. Hasn't, hasn't changed you. Hasn't impacted you yet. You know about him, but you don't know him. Psalm 107 verse 9 says, He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Some of us are missing out on the good things of God because we think, I'm good. I'm satisfied where I'm at now. We see baptisms like that. We see Amy come up out of the water, like weeping and anything. So I was baptized when I was a kid. Didn't mean anything to me. Don't remember it. Parents forced me to do it. But I don't need that. I'm good. We, we hear, we talk about tithing, talk about giving. Psh, I don't know about that, Pastor. That's, you know, that's Old Testament stuff or, you know, that's for somebody else. You just want my money, Pastor. Always talking about money. I'm good. Think about fellowship in a small group. You think, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm strong in the Lord. I don't need really anybody else. It's just me and Jesus. I'm good. Hear about baptism, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, baptism with the Holy Spirit. And we think, Psh, that stuff's weird. I don't want to be one of those weird. I know I've been around some weird Christians speaking in tongues and sounds goofy and, you know, dancing around. You know, I don't want to be one of those weird. I'm, I'm good. Because you're not hungry. And I can't give you a hunger. That, that comes from your heart where you realize, I'm, I'm still empty. Listen, men and women, there is always more to God than you're experiencing right now because he's infinite. So you can have an infinite hunger and he will, he, he'll, he will satisfy it. He will, because there's always more to God. My dad used to say this, God is, is, is willing to go as far with you as you're willing to go with him. Some of us, we're just content with shallow in Christianity. 
you know, and we're splashing around there and God loves you and you're saved and you're going to heaven, but you're missing out on more. Some of us, by the way, the reason that we don't want some of the good things of God is because it was served up to us in a bad way, in another church, another environment. We were somewhere else and we heard something, saw something, experienced something that wasn't really, that wasn't really God. We, we got mad at God. It was somebody else. They're probably doing their best, but they didn't, you know, they didn't cook up the food right. They didn't prepare it right. Maybe, maybe at another church, maybe you were abused, mistreated, taken advantage of. And you think, I'm good. I'm not going to get involved here at the church. You know, I have a come. I kind of like it. I'll sit here with my wife. She drags me here. I'm not getting involved. I'm not serving again. I'm not going to let that happen to me again. I'm good. And you're missing out. You know, I think especially, by the way, let me just take one more moment. I think especially when it comes to the fullness of the, the, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, which I'm not going to preach about today. But some of you have been in some really goofy, unhealthy, unhealthy church environments where there's been, that's been misrepresented. It's all emotion and it's not God. And you have turned yourself off to a massive, massive part of what the Lord wants to do in your life in filling you with his love and his power, releasing a spiritual power and dynamism and energy and a spiritual heavenly language and spiritual gifts so you can love and serve a, a, a dying and a hurting world. But you've just turned that off. You're not hungry for that anymore. So guess what? God won't force feed you. I force feed Eliana sometimes because she's got to eat, but God does not spiritually force feed you. You have to have a hunger for it. Nobody can give you hunger. I, you just got to experience the love and goodness of God for yourself. John chapter four, Jesus meets Samaritan woman at the well. You can read the story on your own and she's drawing water and Jesus, you know, Jesus starts to interact with her and he says, woman, he says, I, he says, I can give you living water that if you drink of this living water, it will satisfy your spiritual thirst. He says, you'll, you'll be back here in a few hours drawing water again, you'll be thirsty again, but the water that I can give you, you will never thirst again. And she says, she says, I want some of that water, give me some of that. Starts to talk a little bit more, and she starts talking about, you know, I worship the Lord, I'm waiting for the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, the one that God had promised. And listen to what Jesus says in John chapter four, listen to what he says, he looks at her, John chapter four, Verse 26, I am he. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. Maybe some of you, you're like the Samaritan woman today. You're like Solomon. You've been living your life and in some ways it's been miserable. It's been unsatisfying. You've been searching in all the wrong places. This beatitude is for you. You don't have to wait any longer. You don't have to look any further. His name is Jesus. Close your eyes just for a moment and just in his presence. In fact, just quietly, if you would, just quietly, please put your stuff down. Just stand to your feet. We'll be done in a minute. Nobody leave yet. Just stand to your feet if you would. Close your eyes and I just want you to ask yourself this question in your heart. What am I hungry and thirsty for in my life right now? What am I hungry and thirsty for in my life right now? Maybe, maybe you've been hungering for something other than God. Maybe you haven't had much of an appetite, spiritual appetite for God recently. Why don't you just take a moment, confess that, surrender that to him. Ask for forgiveness if you need to. Make a commitment to, to change. 
I want to invite you just to pray this simple prayer with me out loud, if you would. Just a phrase at a time. God, I want you. I need you. I must have you in my life. Only you can completely satisfy my soul. Keep your eyes closed just for one more moment. Maybe maybe you're here today, you're watching online, and, and you don't know the Lord. You know about him, but you don't know him. And the message resonated with you because in your heart, in your soul, you're, you're empty. And God loves you. And he gave Jesus, his son, for you to die for you, pay the price for your sins with his own blood to bring you into relationship with God, to give you abundant and eternal life. He's done everything, men and women, but you have to receive it. You have to receive his grace. You have to receive his love and his goodness in your life, and he won't force you. You can run your whole life if you want to. You can reject him for your whole life, or you can receive him and begin to experience the blessedness, the joy that comes from knowing knowing the Lord. I want to give you that opportunity right now. Maybe you've never made that decision. Maybe you prayed a prayer, but you've walked away from the Lord. You're far from, from God. You're really far, and you want to come back to him today. You're backslidden. That's the word the Bible uses. You need to come back. If that's you, on the count of three, just with everybody's eyes closed still, heads bowed, just for sake of privacy, if that's you, say, John, I want to get right with God today. I want to be in right standing with God. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and look at me, and I'll make eye contact with you, and then I'm going to lead us in a prayer. One, two, three. Hands are already going up. See, this is a good-looking couple right here, both of you guys. I don't know you guys. Praise God. You guys stood out to me when I was preaching today. I see another lady raising her hand back there. Anybody else? I see another little guy right there. I know you. Talk to your dad, buddy. I know you. God loves you. I see a, a, a young man right there, a man right in the middle. Friend in the white shirt, is your hand up? Look at me. Look at me, sir. I want to talk to you afterwards because... When I, was, when I was preaching, you stood out to me today. I don't, I don't know why. I don't think I've met you before, but God loves you. It, listen, if you're sincere about this, I don't know if this is new to you or not. We'll talk later. God really loves you. Listen, everything in your life can change, and he'll do it. I see another hand in the back. Man, there's a lot of hands. I see a beautiful lady right there. I see another lady right there, another lady. I don't even know how many to count how many hands. I've lost count. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Several... I know, I know I preached super long today. Anybody else, somebody in the back, just wave at me if you think I didn't catch somebody. Yeah, I see you, sir. Everybody, you can just open up your eyes. Just relax for one more moment. I'm sorry, I didn't realize I preached this long today. I apologize. I know y'all are real hungry now. Um, so many people responding to the Lord. I love seeing people get saved. The last service, I start crying at the end. I just had Junior come up. Because we were created to know God. It's like, and when you do, everything changes. And I just got a sense, even at worship, I was in the back just experience the love and goodness of God friends, you just taste it, you won't go back nothing else will satisfy you try to go back to the same stuff it ain't, it's not going to feel the same really, there's, you realize this, this, is, this is not it come to the Lord, just a hungry heart he'll fill you 
close your eyes. Just, sorry, let's, let's pray together. Lead, lead us all in a prayer. Then Junior, you can give some instruction. So many people who responded, we need to pray for them, but we also need to release everybody too. But let me just lead us in a simple prayer of confession. All of our friends who responded today, would you just repeat, let's all repeat this prayer out loud together, phrase at a time. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. I know that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of all my sin. Right now, I surrender my life to you. Come into my life. Change me. Make me a new person. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to know you. I want to live for you. Thank you that I have righteousness in you. And I'll follow you all the days of my life. And I declare that heaven's my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.